I'm Ben Edwards, Dean of Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, and in this episode, we'll be discussing UFOs and extraterrestrial life. My guests this week are Dr. Tim Miller, Associate Professor of New Testament, and Dr. Mark Snowberger, Professor of Systematic Theology and Apologetics here at DBTS. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. Good to be here. Over the weekend, uh, there was uh, quite a bit of news of several unidentified airborne objects that were shot down from the sky, including one over the state of Michigan. Uh, sometimes you'll see these labeled now as UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or more commonly known as UFOs, Unidentified Flying Objects. And in fact, we even had news that a top U.S. general uh, said he could not rule out the possibility of aliens involved in this. And so that, uh, I think, kind of got us thinking a little bit about uh, what we should think about aliens. Now, uh, just to be clear, uh, you're not here because you're UFO enthusiasts or or you have always followed the idea of, of alien life form, uh, but you're here because I thought it might be a good time to try to, to think biblically and theologically about the issue of extraterrestrial life. And by extraterrestrial, uh, referring to things outside of the earth and its atmosphere. And so let's begin with uh, the question of what do we mean when we're talking about life? If, if we were to find life outside this earth, how would we know that something is actually living from a biblical perspective? Well, I think we've got multiple definitions of life. There's that scientific definition of life that, that includes everything that has cellular form. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's organic. It grows, it replicates, it changes, it dies. Um, and then there's plant life or botanical life, we maybe call call it, um, which perhaps is a little bit more complex. But I don't think these are the kinds of life we're really concerned about. In fact, the Bible doesn't describe these as living things. Um, the, the designation living things in the Bible seems to be reserved for what we might call zoological life, so things that move. So oftentimes it's paired with these are living things that move and creep and fly or swim on the earth. And so from a biblical perspective, if we found plants somewhere else, we wouldn't necessarily say, oh, this is life outside of earth, at least from what the Bible means when it talks about life. And I think it's important to keep that in mind because when we look back even at creation, God created Adam and Eve to eat something to eat plants, and uh, there was no evil in that. So the death of a plant is uh, consequentially different than the death of an animal, uh, of a person, th those sorts of things. So, so there's distinctions among living things. And when we talk about living things, often people ask, is there intelligent life outside of this earth? What, what, what does that mean, intelligent life? Well, I think we're talking about what I would call personal life or personhood. Um, so it's it's perhaps we sometimes will call about sentient life or self-conscious life. Um, and so, but I think I think the perhaps the biblical way of describing that would be personal life, which which includes a whole a whole new list of more abstract ideas, such as uh, things like propositional language, reason, affection, ethics. And such, in fact, you don't even have to be a material being to be a personal being. So angels, for instance, demons uh, would be persons. But from a biblical perspective, your dog doesn't have intelligent life or at least wouldn't have a 
personhood Not in that, that sense. sense. Right. Right. So there might be a level of intelligence that we might look at. But, but from a biblical perspective, there's a distinction between that and, and, and human life. Scripture certainly points to that. And when we take a look at animals, anyone who's had a dog or a cat would recognize that there's some sort of interaction that you can have with that animal. Uh, one of my favorite videos, if you've ever seen it, uh, you'll laugh at it quite a bit, is this monkey experiment in which a sociologist just figuring out what's going on with these monkeys uh, gives somebody a rock or gives it, I shouldn't say somebody, gives it this monkey a rock and the monkey gives back the rock and then uh, this this person, this scientist gives them a cucumber and then to the one next to it, uh, same thing, and gives it a grape. And when she goes back to the first monkey again to give it the, the cucumber again, she gives it a cucumber, it throws the cucumber because it's upset that it's not getting the grape. So this is a complicated question of intelligent life. Is there intelligence there? I think so. Uh, but I think we've got to get down to uh, the question of the image of God. I think that's going to be an important part of this discussion as well. And so if we're then thinking about extraterrestrial life, let's begin by maybe the more broad kind of idea, maybe not intelligent, maybe not personhood, but, but life. Is there any evidence in the Bible of life outside of Earth, extraterrestrial life? Well, other than angels, which apparently have access to both Earth and to the above the Earth, uh, there's no indication in the Bible that there would be anything outside of? Not only that, I think that there are really good reasons to suggest that that probably isn't the case. So, you know, uh, someone might want to say, well, whether they're aliens or not just simply is determined based upon whether Scripture says anything about it. It doesn't say anything about it, but that doesn't mean that necessarily they, they don't exist. Obviously, one question we'd have to ask is what would God's purpose be in creating intelligent life uh, created in his image that has image-like qualities uh, like ours somewhere else? And, and then you've got to ask the question, all right, are they fallen or are they non-fallen? And if they're fallen, is there redemption? I'm sure we'll talk somewhat about that. Uh, but then if they're not fallen, then they're living in a world in which Scripture is absolutely clear that this entire creation has been devastated by the effects of sin. And so you've got these people who apparently are innocent if, if you've got this, uh, this life out there that's sinless. And yet they're experiencing a broken and sinful world that just doesn't seem to make very much sense. Right. Everything seems to be tied to this earth. Um, like, for instance, Romans 8, uh, all creation groans because of Adam's sin, and it is fixed then at the redemption of the sons of God. The whole, uh, the, the whole heaven and earth is going to melt with a fervent heat as a result of yes. events that take place on earth. Uh, these, these poor aliens out there that are experienced, they have no idea what's going on. And so it just seems like everything... It is conceptually centered around the earth. And even in the creation account, it seems as if the heavenly bodies are earth-oriented. They're mm -hmm. there for days and times and then seasons as opposed to something separate or distinct from earth. So, so if there's nothing in the Bible that would make us think, oh, there's life out there, 
Is there anything in the Bible that would make us say, no, that it's, it's completely impossible. If, if ever someone were to find life outside of earth, that would actually disprove the claims of scripture. I would say a couple of things about that. First, again, I think that uh, for the very reasons we've just suggested, we're likely not to, to find that. I, I wouldn't stake uh, my whole theology on that. On the, on, on the other hand, uh, again, we've got to distinguish between forms of life. If at some point there was a discovery that, in fact, there were animals of some nature on some planet way out there, I wouldn't find that challenging to my faith at all. Uh, for many, many years, there were fish in the very deepest part of the ocean that nobody would have access to. But they were down there, and they expressed the glory of God. And so, there might even still be many that we have not exactly. discovered. Yeah, I, I remember when uh, Japan was hit with that huge tsunami, they discovered new types of fish uh, due to that whole experience. So in the same way, is it possible that somewhere on some other planet, uh, God has planted life for his own glory? Uh, maybe. And, you know, I would just say that if that's the case, then they are animal kind of some nature, and uh, they are also influenced by the fall, and uh, they also groan, awaiting for the redemption of the sons, which is, as uh, Dr. Snowberger has mentioned, centered here on this earth. Uh, and I'd, I'd honestly be doubtful even that there would be animals and plants, uh, not because it would be a, a theological problem for me, but in, in much the same sense that we, we talk about, you know, if, if in fact there was evolution of plants and animals, but not humans, would that be theological, theologically possible? My answer would be, I think it would be okay. I mean, it violates what scriptures say, but theologically, I think I could live with that. But I really have no reason to think that that's true, and uh, I'd be highly doubtful of that. So we've kind of touched on this a couple of times already. Uh, obviously, at the very center of Christianity is Jesus Christ. The fact that the, the Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, uh, took upon himself human nature, uh, came, uh, lived on this earth, in the you know was became incarnate, and then suffered and died. Um, as an atonement for sin, how would that relate to life outside of this earth? Or would it? Well, if it's going to be redeemable life, uh, then they can only be redeemed if God becomes them, right? And that's what Hebrews 2 says, right? He, he, Christ had to become like his brothers in every way in order to be a mediator and high priest and make atonement for the sins of the people. He didn't help angels, it says. Um, and so I think we could multiply that. He didn't come to help Klingons and Vulcans either. Um, now, we could perhaps make some sort of bizarre argument that, you know, that there's a God man and there's a God Klingon and there's a God, a God Vulcan. But then we run into that problem that everything in Scripture seems to be earth-centered um, and everything revolves around earth in terms of its theological import. So uh, the idea of there being these alternative forms of a, of a redeemer seems really far-fetched. And Adam set up as you know, the, the head of creation, and therefore his sin affecting all of creation would seem to include the, the whole universe. Right. And so his sin in some way would seem to have an effect on any life that would happen to exist outside of this earth. Yes. 
Now, I think one of the reasons why people wrestle with that is the more we see how vast the universe is, the more implausible it seems to people that there is no life anywhere else. Why, why would God make such a huge universe and just have life here on earth when we're just a, a minuscule speck in, in the vastness of the universe? I'm not sure we can quite give an answer to that. Other than I do think looking at the expansiveness of the sky gives us a sense of our smallness and God's bigness. You know, the, the, the scriptures metaphorically refer to God placing the stars in the heavens with his hand. But I think in some sense that that's, that's putting it in such a way so that mankind would recognize how big God is and how small man is. So uh, when I think of the, the fullness, the expansiveness of space— uh, that just reminds me of how significant it is that God cares for me, right? Because here I am, a speck of dust, cosmically probably not even that big. Um, you know, you think of the expansiveness, and yet he inclines his ear to me. Isn't that incredible? And, and so I think, I think it just shows the glory of God. Yeah, I've wondered too. I know this is, is one of these these theological things that sort of flummoxed me over the years, that uh, God created this earth to reproduce explosively, but also never to die, which seems to be a, an unsustainable kind of a situation. And, and I wonder if, if perhaps there was, it, there was not part of the divine intention that we would break our terrestrial bands and... Uh, and uh, colonize beyond where we are. I mean, I, 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 I hesitate to put it out there because it's speculative. Um, I don't want to get be known for this. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but I wonder if that's the, at least a possibility. And so potentially in the new heavens and new earth, what we might be able to do is explore some of the vastness perhaps of, of the universe that God has made. And that's part of how we are able to, to marvel at his majesty and his glory. I'd like to mention that Dr. Snowberger has already bought his ticket to Mars yeah. with, with the Tesla. <laughs> group. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, I, I wonder, if is there any connection, you think, with the, the idea that there's got to be life outside of this earth and the evolutionary model that, that tends to devalue human life, that there's really nothing significant about humanity. We're an accident. We just happen to evolve here on this earth. And so certainly other life forms evolved somewhere else. And so... Of course, they're out there. Do you think that, that there's any connection between those ideas? Absolutely. I, I think that this, the explosion of, of science fiction corresponds very much with the, with the rise of evolutionary theory. If it happened here, it must have happened somewhere else. And so if we can find it out there, then – well, we've, we actually so, – you know, there, there's support then for the theory of evolution, and I think then the the hold that God has on the universe starts to relax if 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 we can find alternatives uh, to to God. And I think people are just looking for that. It's an interesting paradox to me because if I were an evolutionist, I would have two impulses. I think at the same time, one is to say, yeah, there's probably something else out there in this infinite universe. But at the same time, when I look at the scientific data 
and what was necessary to make life happen here? I say, it's probably not likely that there's another scenario. The odds are not in your favor. (laughs) The odds are not in your favor. And, you know, one of the things that interests me about this intersection of those two points is Richard Dawkins. And perhaps you're familiar with Richard. He's uh, probably the most famous of the atheists uh, alive today. And he has argued that it's, it's probably likely at this point that aliens planted us on this, on this earth. And the reason he argues that is because of the fine-tuning of our, of our system, that the earth is just perfectly aligned, distance from the sun, gravitational constant. You could mention really, honestly, hundreds of these sorts of things that were so precise in order to make life possible on this earth. And the question is, would those variables which even tuned barely out of whack uh, would have would have prevented life here. Would it pre- present it somewhere else? And I think honestly, if you're looking at that, you say no. But I think the attractiveness that is uh, for those who are atheistic is is that impulse that listen, it happened here, so it's it's got to be possible to randomly take place. And so therefore, let's say that it's going to randomly take place somewhere else. And and I think back to Dr. Snowberger's point, I think if, if we could say that, then we are just a cog in the wheel. Uh, it's, it's another step for us to escape the weight of the recognition that a God has made us and we are responsible to him. Somewhat connected to that, we, we've been looking for a while for extraterrestrial intelligence and, and those kinds of things. And, and to this point in time, at least, as far as we know, uh, we haven't found it, right? I mean, we, we don't, we recognize, theoretically, I suppose there might have been something that, uh, some signal at some point in time, but th- there's no clear evidence of intelligent life outside of this earth. W- should that be a, a warning about the plausibility of evolutionary theory? Should that in any way cause those who are, are holding evolutionary theory to pause and consider whether their belief system actually matches up with that reality? Yeah, maybe somewhat. I, I, Tim's point here that the, the likelihood of it happening elsewhere is remote. But evolution's always on this quest to find elusive missing links or transitional life forms or independent microcosms like our like our world. And the fact that these are so elusive, I think, starts to let us build a cumulative case against evolution, but nothing nearly so certain as what we already have in Scripture. Now, thinking about this idea, you know, are there UFOs? Is there extraterrestrial life? As believers, as, as those who, who want to follow God's word, should we believe in the possibility of extraterrestrial life? And then, and to be clear, maybe we should distinguish UFOs and extraterrestrial life. Your UFOs are, are simply, we don't know what's out there. Something flying, we don't know what it was. It's an unidentified flying object, but specifically extraterrestrial life. Um, what kind of evidence should someone have to either believe or not believe? In those things, should it be that the kind of situation we would say, "Look, I'm not going to believe they're there at all until you can definitively prove it," or to say, "You know what? I think it could be out there, and until you can prove it's not, I'm going to kind of think it is." Well, I think in, in scientific demonstration, there, it's never possible to prove a universal negative. So I think the burden is always on those to prove that it does exist. 
than to than those for for those to prove that it doesn't exist. Um, although I will I will add this caveat here: the reason we can't establish a universal negative is because we can't observe everything simultaneously. But we do have a book that was written by someone who does. Right, <laughs> the Bible is written by a God who knows all things simultaneously and comprehensively. And I think we have all but a a a certitude that UFOs beyond the beings that are described in 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 the scripture, personal beings, I, I think we have a pretty strong case that they just don't exist. One of the things that you mentioned, I think, is important to keep in mind. I don't doubt that people have experiences and uh, or at least sometimes believe they've had experiences. Those can be two different things. And I I think it's important also to keep in mind that there is a spiritual realm. And and I think that that spiritual realm does intersect with our world. Uh, if you read the scriptures and you believe them, then you believe there are demons, that there is demonic activity, that that demonic activity can express itself in very real ways so that people say something happened to me, and I think it may have. Uh, now, any one particular event, I'm not going to say happened or didn't happen. I mean, how am I supposed to adjudicate that? But I would say that I wouldn't say absolutely that there haven't been spiritual experiences of people or, or of, of beings that they thought were aliens because they were superhuman, probably because they were actually, in fact, superhuman. Uh, they were angelic and uh, were demons. Now, one of the resources I would turn the listeners to is Michael Heiser. Uh, you know, I, I would have some criticisms for sure of some of the things that Michael Heiser has in his unseen realm. But there are some other things that, that I think he gets right uh, when he talks about angelology. He's seeking to show us what the text says and dig deeper and say, you know, I think we've simplified angelology far beyond what it is. It's, it's a little more complex than that. And recently, he did, maybe I shouldn't say recently, I think it was four years ago. Uh, four years ago, he did a, a, a video about, uh, it was demons and aliens and demons, I think. And so you can find that, that video online. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. It was produced by, by, uh, the faith, faith Life, uh, so the Logos company there. And, uh, and I was able to watch that. And, and I think on the whole, it's, it, it has some, some helpful things to say about this discussion. And his, he, he's a ufologist. That's actually a word, a ufologist. And, and so one of the things he says is, you know, a lot of people work on cars and other things. I, as a biblical theologian, like to like to go to UFO conferences. So, so he does this sort of thing. But he doesn't believe there are aliens. Uh, he believes that this is demonic activity. And uh, he's actually been invited uh, to speak at these major events and has suggested that there are no such things and then has been disinvited from them. Uh, but, but I think it's at least worth taking a look at because he works through some of those things and, and gives some plausible explanations for why some of those things are taking place and then gives, I think, a reasonable uh, statement of the fact that there are angelic beings. They are engaged with this world and they are engaged with people. And he makes alignment between uh, the worship of Satan 
and the experiences that people have in these angelic or in, in these alien abduction things. And, and he shows a correlation there. So it's interesting nonetheless. And so when somebody says, you know, these sorts of things are happening, I, I'm not going to say absolutely it's not possible. Uh, I do believe there's a spiritual realm and it's quite possible that things like that are taking place. Yeah, I suspect too that uh, if, if we take Revelation, the book of Revelation at face value, when Abaddon opens up that pit and those hideous creatures come out, I, I have to wonder whether that might be interpreted as some sort of alien invasion of these creepy, crawly, fantastical creatures. Um, I mean, that's, again, some speculation, but it, those are angelic or demonic uh, beings that will invade the earth and it's it's gonna i think that's just gonna add to the panic that's ongoing and certainly if, if satan is a deceiver and disguises himself if if there is an inclination among people to believe in aliens rather than believe in god right. it wouldn't surprise me in any way that he might sure. feed that mm -hmm. you know feed into that lie and cause them to think that way which Kind of then brings us to, I think, the question of why are people inclined to believe in UFOs? Uh, it seems like some people would want their, this to be true. They, they want this reality to be true, and they're more likely to believe in these things and maybe even the, the, the idea that God created the world. Um, what, what do you think is driving that? I think it's a search for meaning. Uh, when uh, the, the current worldview that we have suggests that we're just— we're random chance, we're here, and, uh, you know, your life is absolutely meaningless. You're a speck that's going to be obliterated, and that's it. But maybe there's something more. Maybe there's something more significant out there. And if we could just crack the code, and I think that's, that's uh, maybe you could put an eternity set in their heart, depending on how you take that in Ecclesiastes. There's, there's something that, that God has put within the heart to seek after something more, and perhaps that's at least part of it. Yeah, I actually would take a little bit more of a pessimistic view that much of what's going on is is a a quest to replace God with something else. There's got to be something else because we don't like the God who is that we know so well, Romans, Romans 1. And so what are we doing? We're, we're trying to create other gods, create, create an alternate universe in which God isn't and and or or perhaps better gods of our own choosing. Which, which in some ways is a reflection of the, the drive in humanity to worship. And when we're, when we're talking about alien life, we usually aren't talking about creatures that are lesser than humans. <laughs> we're, we're typically thinking about people who are greater, more advanced, the kinds of people that we would stand in awe of. And that's because there is a recognition that there is something greater out there. And, and certainly we don't believe the truth. We suppress it and seek to replace it. Right. And that maybe is what we're seeing uh, with this reality. Well, thank you, gentlemen, very much for joining us today, and thank you for listening to this episode of Theologically Driven. If you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy this discussion. You can find out more about Theologically Driven or Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary at dbts.edu. We look forward to our next time together. Until then, keep seeking the Lord.